Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 43. Welcome back to the Medical School HQ Podcast, the place to learn how to excel as a pre-med student, learn what it takes to survive medical school, and to turn your dream of becoming a physician into reality. We're bringing you the most unbiased and accurate information available online today. My name is Ryan Gray, and I'm excited to host yet another great podcast for you today with the help of Owen from Kaplan. I reached out to Kaplan because... They're obviously one of the big names in MCAT prep, and I wanted to have them come on to talk about the changes that are coming in 2015 with the new format of the MCAT. So Owen and I talk all about the changes, everything that that you as a pre-med student need to know to prepare for the new MCAT, whether or not you should take the new MCAT, or maybe take the MCAT a little bit earlier than you were expecting so that you're taking the old MCAT, uh, how it may affect the admissions committee's decision as as an applicant with an old MCAT or a new MCAT. Owen and I cover all of that. But as always, I want to give a quick shout out to our five-star reviews. And this week we've had several ratings, but only one person left a five-star review, and that is ClickTick, who says there's none like it. This podcast is awesome. It smokes the competition. I just love it. So thank you, ClickTick. If this is the first time listening or your 10th, and if you haven't yet gone ahead and gone to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes to leave us a nice rating and review Five stars would be great, Um, but if you just take a minute to leave a review. So let's go ahead and jump in with the interview with Owen. I wanted to talk about Owen's past and try to to help paint a picture of who he is and and why uh, he really is the man to talk to at Kaplan about the the new MCAT. So uh, we'd start off talking about his path to where he is now. 
So I, I was the classic student who always thought they wanted to be a doctor, who was a pre-med through and through, throughout high school, throughout even middle middle school. You know, I could have easily written that uh, that personal statement of, I've always wanted to be a doctor since I was uh, just a little kid. And uh, I'd never really questioned it until I got to college. And when I showed up at college, all of a sudden, all these new avenues were opened up. And, and I decided to, to poke around a little bit. And I was variably a, uh, a political science major, a classics major. I spent some time studying anthropology. It was just, there were so so many new fields for me to to be interested in that I they poked around a little bit and ultimately ended up coming back to biology because that really is where my passion was and, and ended up with a bachelor's of science in biology uh, but took some time off to really consider whether or not I wanted to go into medicine as I'd always just assumed and the more I looked into it and the more that I started to uh, to go through the application process a little bit and to research medical schools the more I realized that that really wasn't the actual path for me uh, and that I, I wanted to, to do something else and uh, through uh, a series of twists and turns, I ended up in education and just found that, that that was really where my true passion lied. And that's what I what I really enjoyed. And, and medical education is just sort of the, the natural confluence of those two paths. So uh, I certainly enjoy where I'm at these days. I've been with Kaplan for, uh, for nearly seven years now as an MCAT teacher uh, in various stages. And you know, I really just enjoy being able to help students navigate the process because when I was initially looking into things, I felt like there, there really wasn't a lot of guidance from uh, uh, for students in my situation. So I, I enjoy being able to turn around and give some of that guidance and offer some of that information up to students who are trying to navigate the process. Yeah, it's it's great that you have that background of of once being pre med because because you can you can say I I know what it's like. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. It, it really, I'm sure it's been several years since you were pre-med but really not much has changed it's it's very um much the status quo as far as what it takes to get into medical school it's getting a little bit harder but the overall um path is the same so it's good that you kind of have that experience but I, i i have a question not a lot of people that i've talked to on the podcast have been pre-med and then pulled back. What what were some of the questions that you asked yourself that maybe another pre-med listening that that maybe isn't 100% sure? What were some of those questions that you asked yourself or experiences that you went out and purposely purposefully sought um, mm-hmm. to to help uh, you make that decision? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, one of the the biggest questions that I had to ask myself, and that I think every pre medical student really needs to ask themselves, is: Am I solely dedicated to medicine at this point in my life? Am I willing to essentially give up the next five, six, eight, ten years of my life to focus on the educational process, to getting myself through medicine or through medical school? Excuse me, getting through residency. Uh, am I am I really willing to dedicate myself to that? And and if I looked at it from a very honest perspective in myself, I realized that there were other things I wanted to do. I wanted to spend some time traveling. I wanted to spend some time uh, really uh, really exploring different facets of my life. I wanted to spend some time uh, getting to know my family better. And the more I, I asked myself that question, the more I realized that uh, that I I just didn't have the, the dedication that is absolutely required of a medical student. And uh, you know, I just wasn't that, uh, uh, that invested in, in the idea of being a doctor. So... I think that's just an absolutely essential question for all students to ask themselves, uh, especially since as you're going through that that process, uh, you know, you're in your mid-20s. There's a lot going on in your life right then. Many students are starting families. There's obviously a financial burden that goes along with uh, with being a medical student. Uh, there's there's a lot of give and take there, and you really just have to be solely dedicated to being a physician at that point. Yeah, and I think that's an excellent question to ask yourself. And 
I, I would assume and I would, I would maybe hope that more often than not, the answer for a lot of young students and, and everybody that's a traditional pre-med student is young, mm-hmm. the, the answer is going to be, uh, I'm really not ready. And I, I'm a huge proponent of taking time off between undergrad and medical school to go get mm-hmm. those life experiences, go travel, go, go be a normal human being, because those are the people that you're going to be treating in the future. And mm-hmm. it's kind of, it, you're not really, <laughs> I don't want to say you're not normal, but it's mm-hmm. to, to go from high school to undergrad to medical school to residency and then out in the world, you, you haven't had those life experiences and it's hard to relate to patients that are coming to you uh, with those experiences. And I think taking time off makes you a more well-rounded physician. Absolutely. And in fact, that's something that I see frequently in the conversations I have with medical school deans. One of the things that's very attractive about the non-traditional student is that they have some more life experiences. They've really considered their position. They know where they are in the world and what they want out of their lives. And that's, uh, that only makes them more attractive as a, as a candidate for medical school. Without a doubt. And I have a lot of non-traditional listeners, so they, they like hearing that they're special just because they're non-traditional. <laughs> well, that's the key in the, in the application process. They just have to make sure that they can, they can show just how special they are. Yeah. So I have you on today to talk about the MCAT and more specifically the changes that are coming or have already happened, but more permanent in, in 2015. Why... Is the MCAT changing now? It's an excellent question. It's one that, that really is, is a pretty multifaceted question. The idea behind the changes in the MCAT is, one, that a lot of people don't realize it, but the current MCAT has really been around for a long time. The last time it went through major changes was in uh, at about 1992, so more than 20 years ago now. And when you think about the changes that have taken place, not just in medicine, but in the world at large over those 20 years, you start to see just how old this test is. The last time that the, they changed the MCAT, uh, the, the Berlin Wall was really just coming down. And, uh, and really, there was almost no research into, or very little research, I should say, into the world of molecular genetics and, and their role in uh, uh, in medicine. So one of the big aspects behind the changes is just the fact that science has changed so drastically since the last time the AMC really went through with a fine-tooth comb and, and looked closely at the blueprint for the MCAT. So all those changes in the science, that's all coming to play in the realignment of what science actually shows up on the MCAT. Now, one of the areas that we're really seeing that is in the addition of biochemistry to the exam. Traditionally, biochemistry hasn't been a required subject for pre-medical students. Uh, Now it essentially is going to be at least least one semester of biochemistry uh, is what the AMC is saying is going to be required for the new 2015 MCAT. The other side – go ahead. I was just going to say the other side of that coin is also the addition of the psychology and sociology. And that's really the thing that a lot of people are surprised about with the new MCAT. Uh, Again, traditionally, those haven't been subjects that students are required to study. They're maybe in the recommended category, depending on which which medical schools you're applying to. Uh, But I think the big misconception behind why the AMC is adding psychology and sociology to the MCAT, a lot of people are saying it's because there's been all this this hullabaloo about uh, how doctors don't have bedside manner, how we're effectively treated turning out science robots uh, through the, the admissions process right now. And, and that's certainly part of it, but it doesn't really get to the crux of the idea. Um, one of the big things that we've seen in the 20 years since the MCAT was last, uh, uh, last revised is the way that medicine is practiced 
is actually very different these days than it was a generation ago. Uh, no longer are doctors just sort of out there on their own, dictating everything that happens, but it really is now a team-based approach to medicine. And so the idea of understanding interpersonal dynamics and interprofessional dynamics is very important on the MCAT. And that's one aspect where the behavioral sciences comes in. The other aspect, of, of course, is in, in relating to the patient themselves. Uh, understanding uh, a multicultural background is going to be very important for the doctors of the 21st century. Understanding why we make the decisions that we make. Uh, you know, a big part of uh, medicine moving forward is the idea that we're no longer, or, or to a lesser extent, I should say, uh, we're looking at an acute care system. Where we're looking at, uh, at individual diseases and maladies as they pop up. But now we're really looking at a preventative care system and a chronic disease care system uh, where the the day-to-day behaviors of an individual, are they eating that extra Big Mac? Are they smoking continuously? What are the behaviors? What are the uh, the uh, biopsychosocial aspects that are leading them to have those behaviors that then contribute to their, their overall health? So that's really where all these changes are coming from. It really is a brand new world of, of the practice of medicine. And, and the MCAT is hoping to to address those uh, those ideas. Yeah. And one of the things you had mentioned with the 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 more of the psychological aspects of the test now mm-hmm. is is the way medicine is practiced with the more of a team based approach, but also twenty years ago when the MCAT was updated, it, there was a more of a, a paternalistic approach to medicine where it, myself as the physician would tell the patient, "Here's what you are going to do." And mm-hmm. the, the patient would listen and hopefully comply. Whereas nowadays, it is very much more reversed and there's what's called patient autonomy. And and you have to have those interpersonal skills between the physician and the patient so that the patient understands and is able to communicate their, their worries, concerns about treatments and different options. And, and together not just doctor to doctor, but doctor to patient, come up with a plan for treatment and care and everything. Absolutely. That's a very critical thing. If, if nothing else, the advent of WebMD has changed the entire way that doctors interact with patients. And oftentimes today, you'll hear doctors griping about uh, a patient will come to them and they'll give them the diagnosis. And if they don't like the diagnosis, they'll just go find another doctor who gives them the one they want. So the idea of, of being able to interact more, uh, more effectively with our patients is, is one of the big reasons behind the addition of, uh, of the, the behavioral sciences to the test. That that's a huge part of it, and, and I joke oftentimes uh, about that exact scenario. And mm-hmm. and for those listening, it, that continue on their path and are are practicing physicians, patients are going to come to you and say, I, "I I would I did a Google search. I did this. I did that. Here's what here's what I'm worried about." I as a physician, and I hope you do too. I I love when a patient does that because then I know what exactly they're concerned about and I can either um, go down that path and reassure them that that's not it or it might be something that I wasn't even thinking about and it might spark my memory um, just to add some extra tests or some uh, different exams that I might be able to do to figure out what's going on because as a physician you, you can't know everything it's it's mm-hmm. impossible these days so I, I like it and I actually will break the ice with patients and say what does Dr. Google think you have? And and they, they kind of chuckle and, and it, it lets their guard down and they'll start talking to me about what they searched and what they're concerned about. So Absolutely. It's it's uh, something that should be welcomed by all physicians, hopefully. 
I hope it is. And, you know, one of the things that we're seeing with the changes to the MCAT is there was there's been some pushback on the plan to change the test, but very little of it, little of it is around the subjects that they're deciding to add. Uh, most of the pushback that we've actually seen has come from uh, people who are saying that the changes are simply happening too fast, that the undergraduate schools haven't quite had enough time to adapt to the new the new test. But uh, as I said, very few people are saying that these are the wrong changes to make. So let me ask you that. Is it is it an undergraduate school's job to to prepare people for one specific test? Pretty much anyone you will talk to will say no. It's not the school's job to prepare them for the test. It's the school's job to help them prepare for their ultimate career. Okay. Yeah, because I, I I do see that a lot of of uh, and a lot in post back programs is a lot of the material and everything is is geared towards preparing for the MCAT. And I, mm-hmm. I see that a lot um, once you're beyond uh, and, and in medical school. I see it a lot in the Caribbean medical schools where mm-hmm. their curriculum is geared towards the USMLE. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm sure there's some in the US, U.S. schools that are geared towards USMLE, but it, it's the overall goal is to create good physicians and not just good test takers for the MCAT and USMLE. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a bit of an artifact of the way the admissions process worked, both for, for medical school at large in regards to the MCAT and then for, uh, for residencies in regards to the USMLE. Uh, because so much emphasis has been placed in such a competitive atmosphere on the test scores because they are a quantifiable uh, way to, to compare applicants, uh, it, it almost shifts the focus away from, as you said, the idea of producing the, the best applicant or the best, uh, the best doctor in the end to the individual who can succeed on the test. Um, that's why, in some ways, the, the change to the MCAT is a very welcome one because the AMC really did their homework on this test. They went out, they talked to practicing physicians, they talked to the medical schools themselves, they talked to active medical students, they talked to uh, the undergrad institutions, and they tried to get a much more well-rounded view of, well, what do you really need to do as a doctor and what are the skills then we need to test on this new version of the MCAT that will contribute to selecting the best future physicians. Mm. Um, it's something that... Um, uh, that the folks from the AMC have said, said several times over in the presentations that I've heard from them that they're shifting away from a, a system where they're selecting the best candidates uh, or the best uh, the best applicants, and they're shifting towards a system where they're selecting the physicians of the future. And, and that's the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. I, you had mentioned there's a lot of pushback on how fast the AMC is rolling this out. How long have they been working on this change? It, it's a very interesting question. They've actually been working on it for quite a long time. Uh, they, they convened a, a committee called the MR5 Committee several years ago. Uh, that's basically just short for the, the fifth uh, major revision of the MCAT. Uh, and, and they spent, I believe it's eight or nine years really digging in, researching the test, sending out those surveys I was talking about, talking to people and figuring out what was going to be important for, for medicine in the 21st century. Uh, and then about uh, what was it, 2012, I believe, March of 2012, no, I'm sorry, 2011, they announced the, uh, the official recommendations for the changes. It took about a year for that uh, to, to percolate out and to, to be approved officially by the AAMC's board of directors. Um, so it's, it's been a long time coming. Uh, 
the the interesting point on the on the pushback actually is when they first announced those changes back in in 2011, uh, the original plan was actually to launch the new test this coming spring in the spring of 2014. And because there was so much pushback, uh, particularly from the uh, the advisor community, they actually ended up pushing that back by about a year to to provide a, an even longer uh, adaptation period. Wow. Can you, we talked a little bit about it, but can you go into what exactly is different on the new MCAT? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we alluded to it a little bit earlier. Um, there are a couple of main changes, some of which we've actually seen already and some of which are, of course, still to come. Um, the big change that we've already seen is the removal of the writing sample from the test. Uh, everyone who's taking taking the exam right now is taking it any time in 2013 or will take it in 2014 uh, has no... no uh, it doesn't have to deal with the writing sample, I should say. Uh, back when I took it once upon a time, there was, of course, these two essays that you had to had to write uh, that uh, that many students uh, didn't really think were important to the test. Many medical schools actually didn't really think they were important to the test, and that's why it was pulled out. Most of the medical schools actually said that uh, that anything they needed to know about a student's ability to to write, they could find in the personal statement or the essays that they find on the secondary applications. Um, so that was that was one initial change that was made. Uh, looking forward, the big changes that we're expecting, we already talked a little bit about the addition of three new subjects to the test, the biochemistry, the psychology, and the sociology. And the AMC is saying that the material that's going to be covered, uh, or, excuse me, that's going to be on the new test is primarily covered in first semester introductory courses to those three subjects. Uh, so students really are, just need to add three additional semesters worth of, of work prior to taking the MCAT. Uh, now, I know that that in regards to that, one of the questions we've seen from a lot of advisors, a lot of uh, um, undergraduate institutions uh, is is the question of, well, is that actually covered in our introductory psychology course? Is that actually covered in our introductory sociology course? And the, the answer isn't actually always that clear. I remember speaking with one advisor not too long ago who dug into the, the blueprint, did the research, and realized that their sociology course actually didn't teach the aspects of culture that were going to be on the MCAT, but their anthropology course really did. So she's been directing her students towards, uh, towards the anthropology courses. Um, so that's, that's that's another big change. Uh, the other big change, and this is actually the one that's interestingly enough, I've seen the most concern from the students on. The test is being drastically expanded in terms of its length and number of questions. It's going to be about 50% longer. So for students who take it right now, they're looking at about a four-hour day to, to sit and take the test. Uh, it's actually going back to... Uh, uh, the days, the, the pre-computer-based testing days in terms of length, it's going to be about a seven-and-a-half-hour day when they officially make the change in the spring of 2015. It'll be such a long test that students will need to uh, need to take a lunch break in the middle of the day. <laughs> it's preparing them for medical school and the board exams. <laughs> exactly. I, I remember my taking step two, USMLE step two, I sat through the whole thing without taking one break. I went <laughs> went straight through. It sounds like a long day, a tough day. <laughs> not not recommended, but I did very well on the exam. So I don't. I I just I I re re uh, analyzed after each section. I said, no, I'm still good. I'll keep pushing. There you go. It paid off in the long run. But yeah, like you say, probably not the preferred method for most students. <laughs> no, not at all. So the you had mentioned that the the MCAT is trialing this right now in 2013 and then again uh, coming up in 2014 before the actual launch in 2015. Mm -hmm. What have you been hearing from students that have taken the test and what are they coming back to you guys with? 
You know, we, we don't get a lot of feedback from students. Uh, the, the AMC has an agreement for all the students who take the test. They, they can't share details of the exam itself. And so we're getting more general uh, uh, feelings, I guess I would say, or nuance, uh, not nuances, uh, general uh, uh, perspectives on the test itself. Um, a lot of students are saying that they're surprised by the, uh, the, the subject matter on the test that, that because they, they're taking the current version of the test. Obviously, they aren't preparing for psychology or sociology or biochemistry. And so when they see these questions, they just seem like they're coming out of left field for them. Um, the other aspect that I think students are starting to be surprised by is that the uh, in, in the new MCAT, they're actually changing the, the raw skills that, that are being assessed. They've developed what they're calling uh, for scientific inquiry and reasoning skills. Uh, and the, the the first two of the skills are really are tested on the current MCAT. It's basically, do you know the science and can you apply that scientific knowledge to a newer situation? But the latter two skills are really focused a bit more on research findings, uh, being able to interpret charts and research that you're reading as you're, uh, as you're keeping up with the, the medical literature. Uh, and so the, there's that level of, uh, of inquiry that seems to be uh, throwing some students off just because they're not really expecting it. So I think that's been one of the things that's surprising for a lot of students about the, the new questions they're starting to see. That's interesting. And it almost reminds me of that, that 2008 study that came out in the Science Journal about the types of questions on standardized tests and how mm -hmm. the, the MCAT had the least based content questions. Mm -hmm. It was more that comprehension and, and analysis. And it sounds like the students are saying it's maybe even more uh, going in that direction. Absolutely. That, that's one of the biggest misconceptions that I see among students, particularly when they're, uh, when they're first or second year undergrads. They think the, the MCAT is a science test, similar to the, you know, the final that you might see in your organic chemistry course. Really, it's, it's not a science test. It's a critical thinking test that has a lot of scientific content on it. And that's, that's where the disconnect is. Yeah. You, you mentioned you're not getting much feedback as far as content-wise are you getting any kind of feedback score-wise? Are you seeing a change in scores between last year and the 2013 test? You know, we're really not. Um, the, the new experimental section isn't actually scored, and it's it's a fair point to make. It's also completely optional for the students that want to take it. So it's just a 45-minute section that comes at the end of the test. Students can opt in or opt out as they see fit. Uh, the AMC is offering as an incentive for students to take it uh, a, a $30 Amazon gift card that gets mailed to them uh, about the time they get their scores. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things that the AMC has actually reported is they are seeing a lot of students taking that section. Uh, so that's great news for them because it means that they're getting good data on the validity of those test questions and question types, uh, as well as, of course, on the, the content itself. It's college um, kids. They want free money. Exactly. <laughs> Who doesn't want 30 bucks? Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you'd mentioned that because the, the score really shouldn't be very different because the, the new stuff isn't scored yet. Exactly. And that's the other big question that's out there is what is the new scoring scale going to look like? Um, the, the AMC actually hasn't made any announcement about whether they'll stick with the 1 to 15 scale or the 1 to 45 scale, I should say, whether they're going to go with complete, something completely new. We know that for the first, uh, first year or so of the new test, uh, a lot of emphasis is probably going to be placed on percentiles because that's how the medical schools can compare one group of students to another uh, within the population. Um, 
But uh, the, the most recent uh, word that I've heard from the AMC is that they're officially going to be announcing the, the scoring scale about this time next year in 2014. Uh, and I've heard bits and rumors from them that, that in all likelihood, they will not stick with the 1 to 15 scale per section, um, simply because it, it's actually a, a fairly standard practice among test changes. Uh, they, they want to avoid any confusion between the scores on the new test and the scores on the old test. And it's something that we saw with the GRE when they were revised their test not too long ago. Okay. So with with so many changes that are coming, what what are you guys at, at Kaplan doing to help prepare students for the changes? Absolutely. We're, we're actually doing quite a bit. Uh, my, my official title is actually director of MCAT 2015. So my whole job is paying close attention to these changes, talking to students like we're doing right now, and making sure that first and foremost, students are aware that the changes are coming. Because like you said, it, it is a very drastic change that students need to be prepared for now. Um, Obviously, behind the scenes here, we're also creating a brand new course. So we're actually we're taking it as an opportunity to completely redesign our MCAT course. We've done a lot of student research to see what works about the current existing course that we have. What, what do students like? What's actually producing uh, uh, effective results and raising scores for them? And then we're also taking a lot of time to look at the, the learning science behind not just our course, but some of the other courses that are out there. What's happening in the classroom? Things along the, the lines of, of online learning, the massive open online courses that have become. So so popular right now. We're really taking a, a very broad look at what's happening in education in general right now and trying, I shouldn't say trying, we are cobbling all that together to create a course that's really going to carry us forward into the 21st century. So we will have a brand new suite of, uh, of MCAT materials specific for the 2015 MCAT uh, that are going to launch in the summer of 2014 for students who want to get a, a leg up on the, the new exam. That sounds great. I, I want to ask you a question I think a, that I've been getting a lot and mm-hmm. it's Students that might be right on the edge of being ready to take the MCAT maybe later in 2014 versus mm-hmm. pushing it off until 2015. And they're, 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 there's always the fear of the unknown. So it seems like a lot of students are maybe rushing their MCAT prep to squeeze in the, 25, the 2014 test before the changes happen. Mm-hmm. What, what have you seen or what are you guys recommending when students ask you that question? You're absolutely right. It's a it's a predominant question right now. I actually had this exact same conversation with the student uh, on campus at uh, at Penn just yesterday. Um, it's a it's a very valid concern because, as you say, there's this fear of the unknown. There's a lot of questions surrounding this new test. No one's quite sure what it's going to look like, and the AMC actually isn't going to release an official practice test uh, until really very shortly before the exam itself. Uh, we're looking at uh, at next uh, next fall, basically the official first official practice test will come out, uh, and so uh, there are a lot of questions about this new test. A lot of students aren't sure which one they should go for. What we're advising students is is think carefully about which version of the test really caters towards your skill set. So if you're a student who's maybe a psychology or sociology major or behavioral sciences major, or not even necessarily a major, but you've taken some of that coursework, you've enjoyed it, and you've scored well, maybe the new test really is the way you want to go. Uh, if, on the other hand, that's not really your cup of tea, that's not really your skill set, and you really feel more comfortable with the current version of the test, then by all means, try and squeeze it in ahead of time. The last administration of the current MCAT is going to be in January of 2015. So you've got some time yet. Uh, and really, students who are applying in that uh, that summer of 2015 to start medical school in the fall of 2016, they can really go either way depending on what their uh, what version of the test they think it's, they'll do better on. Now, one of the things that we're trying to do to help students make that decision, because there are a lot 
lot of questions around it. We've actually already published a, a uh, what we're calling a short form MCAT 2015 practice test. And it's, it's essentially a series of questions that we've created to give students a sense of what does the new behavioral sciences section look like? What does the biochemistry look like? How am I doing in this, uh, in this section? And, uh, and is this a test for me? So because we've got a practice test for the current MCAT and we've got a practice test for the new MCAT, students can take a look at both, see how they do, and use that information to push them one way or the other. Great. And I'll have links to all that in the, the show notes so people listening can, can just jump on the website and uh, click over there. Excellent. The, the other thing I'll throw in there real quick is obviously the question at the, at the heart of this question is which do the medical schools themselves prefer? And in the conversations I've had with medical school deans and admissions officers, really they don't have one that they necessarily prefer, at least not for this first admission cycle that we're facing. Um, they have a lot of questions about what the new test will look like as well. So in that first year, they're, they're basically going to be accepting question, or excuse me, accepting scores from, from both versions of the test, and they're just going to do their best to really go through with a fine-tooth comb, uh, see, see what the results tell them about the students who are applying, and, and try and take a very holistic approach to the admissions perspective. Yeah, and that's a, an ex- something I didn't even think about that's another caveat that the admissions committees have to take into account is mm-hmm. somebody that maybe took a year or two off or maybe is a reapplicant but didn't take the MCAT again. They they have an old MCAT score and then you have a new class with new MCAT scores. How are you comparing that and filtering those people? Mm-hmm. That's going to be hard. Yeah, it's going to be tricky. And, and, a lot of the medical schools are looking to the AMC to, to provide some additional information and comparisons between the old scores and the new scores. And I think that that will happen. Uh, it's not something that's really going to be public-facing, so I don't think we will see it. I don't think the students will see it. But the admissions committees themselves should have some additional information to, to help them out there. Great. Any last words of wisdom for the, the nervous pre-med out there? Take a deep breath. I think that's probably the, the biggest piece of adv- advice that I can give to any pre-med out there. It does often seem like a stressful, stressful process, whether you're looking at the MCAT itself or whether you're looking at the admissions process in, in large. Um, take a step back, take a deep breath, and just consider consider where you're at. It, it's a long haul, and uh, not unlike a marathon, you need to conserve your energy and work your way through it. Um, I guess the only other piece of advice I would have for students as well, particularly in regards to 2015, is start planning for it right now. One of the first steps is to reach out to your, your pre-medical advisor and make sure you know which courses at your specific university or institution you should be taking to start preparing for it. Even if you're going to take the, the 2014 version of the MCAT, it's not a bad idea to sneak in some biology or excuse me, some uh, uh, psychology or sociology because that is the direction that medical schools are starting to move and that's that's what they like to see on your transcript. Uh, so the more you can work closely with your pre, pre-medical advisor, the better off you're going to be in, in terms of being prepared for the new exam. All right, folks, that was Owen from Kaplan, the head of all the changes going on at Kaplan in regards to the MCAT 2015. Hopefully you got a lot of great information out of the the podcast today. If you did, I want you to go to medicalschoolhq.net slash love and uh, send out a tweet thanking Kaplan and uh, letting them know you heard about the MCAT 2015 changes on the podcast today. I also would like to remind you uh, a couple different ways to get a hold of us on Twitter, Medical School HQ. You can shoot me an email. I'm Ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Or you can go to the comment section on the show notes page. And the show notes for every podcast are where we'll 
link about everything that we talked about during the show. So stuff that Owen and I talked about today, like the MCAT 2015 practice test that Kaplan is is going to release. I'll have a link to that stuff uh, on the, the show notes page, and you can get that for today's podcast episode since we're number 43. The show notes are medicalschoolhq.net slash 43. All right, folks, I think that's a wrap for today. I hope you uh, join us next time here at the medical school headquarters.